Aloha and welcome to the Golden Thread Podcast. This is Marnie, your host. And today I am absolutely thrilled to be bringing a subject that is in the spiritual community a lot, which is human design with my dear friend, Andrea Wardberg, who's coming, calling in, tuning in from San Diego, California. Welcome to the podcast. Yay. Thanks for having me. We have so much to cover <laughs> and we were, we were going over all of the content about this, this incredible work called human design. And there is a ton of stuff that we want to talk about today. So first and foremost, I want to thank my, my friend here for coming onto the podcast. And we met many years ago at the wisdom conference in San Francisco. And we've been staying in touch ever since. And it's so nice to bring you back into my life in this way and for us to be collaborating in this way on this new platform. So thank you for, for heeding the call, sister. Uh, well, thank you for the invitation. And I'm just so amazed at everything you've created and how you are stepping into your purpose and your power. It's beautiful to witness. So thank you for having me. All the seals, yay! <laughs> and um, she's a Pisces, and I have a Pisces rising, and so we we connect in this this beautiful time of Pisces, which is interesting. We're connecting with the Sun in Pisces right now, and I'm sure that many of you out there who are listening have heard of Human Design. It might have come into your like into your awareness. You might have gotten your chart done, or it's something that you opened up to a hundred percent and you, and you've gone super deep with it, but Andrea is an expert in human design and she has her own leadership, spiritual coaching, um, consultant business. And so she does this work. It, this is her work. And so she's going to be talking about the history of it, introducing us to human design and the structure of it. And we're going to learn a lot today. So if you're in a car or if you're on a walk, it's okay. You can always listen to the podcast later. Um, if you are at home and you want to grab a journal, you might want to take some notes, but don't worry. You'll be given like her website and everything after, and she's got a free mini course that you can learn about your, your chart and how to utilize this, this incredible knowledge. Um, so let's start just at the beginning. What is human design? Um, well, first, I just want to share a little bit about how I got here, um, because I did end up at human design through a little windy path. <laughs> um, so thank you. Thank you, Marnie, for that amazing introduction. Um, I actually um, am an engineer by trade. I studied engineering um, in college and went directly into corporate, which is what you do as an engineer. Um, so my calling to human design actually came from the technical side of it. Um, it came from the meticulous nature of the modality. Um, and I think that that is incredibly beautiful and also quite daunting for some. Um, so for anyone who's listening, who has felt like it sounds cool, but I just can't get it. 
I feel you. And um, I first got introduced to human design back, it's coming on four years this summer. Um, and the first person, the first teacher I was introduced to, I just could not connect with. I couldn't connect with the language. Um, and as we get into the history, it makes a lot of sense to me now why. Um, this particular teacher was disconnected from raw and tried to kind of take his own path with it. Um, I of course didn't know that at the time and I just kind of like got what I could out of it and put it down. Um, and then actually picked it up another time about a year after that before putting that down and picking it back up early last year, around January last year. So, um, I think that the history of the modality is incredibly important. The history of everything is super important as you um, give your attention to different spiritual concepts, different leadership concepts, different business concepts, like whatever you're diving into um, in your life, making some space to learn the history um, is incredibly important. So I hope to give some of that today. Um, and then, um, as Marnie mentioned, you can find info about me, um, on my website, andrewwoodberg.com. Um, and so, you know, my design, um, I am a 6-2 splenic projector with a split definition. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about what that means in a little bit. And then Marnie is a 4-6 emotional manifesting generator with a single definition. So um, it's really fun to know our designs and just see how it reflects the dynamic that we feel um, in a lot of ways. Uh, and I'd have to check our specific charts, but I feel that energy flow um, when we get to connect. So it's just really beautiful. Yes, thank you for that. And I agree with you that I, I, I also approached human design several times in my, you know, in my own pursuits, wh whatever they might be, you know, either I heard about it in the yoga community, I heard about it in a yoga class, or I heard about it on a retreat, or I heard about it from somebody who's incorporating it in their life. And it is a specific language. I do. I think we're going to cover some of those things today. Um, and <clears throat> of learning like, oh, I'm a manifesting generator. What does that mean? Um, even learning the four, six and the like, those are all like concepts that I'm still learning about. And so I do think it's, I agree with you. It's important to, to learn the history. Where did this all come from? And why is it so important right now? And so let's go into that of, you yeah. know, who founded human design. Perfect. So um, human design was founded by a man named Ra Uru Hu, um, Canadian born, um, but he was living in Ibiza at the time. Um, and while human design is new, he founded it back in 1986. Um, it is essentially a beautiful thread that weaves ancient modalities together. So it weaves astrology, the I Ching from China, Vedic chakras, and Kabbalah together into what Ra calls the rave mandala. Um, so 
what Ra was able to download, and he's very explicit about the experience he had, it was a visitation. It was, it was channeled. The system was channeled. Um, over a five-day period, he basically um, heard the voice and kind of like shut himself off so that he could just download everything about the way these systems are interrelated. Now, he had a metaphysical background. He's a very spiritual person. Um, so I think, um, you know, there's certainly an environment about Ibiza where he was that all kind of combined for this breakthrough that he had. Um, and you can still find videos of Ra on YouTube. Like if you just search Ra Urihu, um, you can hear him talk about you know, the origins of human design or, um, you know, your specific type. Um, and I find just hearing it from the source is often really helpful for me when I'm wanting to go deeper on specific topics. Um, so what human design is made up of um, is a, an imprint of the cosmic blueprint, the moment you were born, which is called your personality, and the moment you were designed, which is called your design, and that's the conscious and the subconscious. Um, so when you look at your chart, and for anybody on here who doesn't know how to pull your chart, you can go to mybodygraph.com or myhumandesign.com. Both are great resources. Uh, I happen to have my chart in both because there's different um, things that each system offers that I appreciate. But I would start with one um, and download your chart. And for any of you that study astrology, you'll notice that there are planetary signals next to, or planetary symbols next to each number. Um, and you, you definitely notice right away that there is an influence from astrology. Um, and basically what you're going to see is um, your energy type, which is probably the most mind-blowing aspect, I think, for anybody who first pulls their chart. Um, learning about your energy type can really transform just your experience of yourself. Because what Ra was able to do is notice these different patterns of the way energy moves depending on your type. Um, it, he was also able to notice how, and again, some of it is him witnessing and others, other parts are him getting direct downloads of the purpose of the way your energy moves and then the desired result. So out of those energy types, you have what's called your signature and your not self, which the signature is the feeling that you have when you're living your design or what I like to call feeling in flow. Your not self is that feeling that you have when you're not living your design. And so we're built with this actual internal compass to tell us when we are living up to our higher self and when we're not. And um, that signature and not self always gives us, you know, that red light, green light, of any given situation and or any given time period in your life. Um, and to navigate 
how to best use your energy, there is what's called your strategy and your authority. So your strategy is actually based on your energy type. And that again is based on this distinction that Ra was able to make on how each energy type moves in the world and what the you know, desired result is of that energy moving. Um, so that creates the strategy. The strategy is linked to your energy type. And then your authority is actually your specific way of making decisions um, and way of knowing what is an energetic match for you. Um, so often, you know, we talk about very basic or very complex situations in human design, but they always come back to your strategy and your authority. And then whether or not you're feeling more of your signature or more of your not self. Um, the signature and not self are kind of like the, you know, tally in your bank account where the strategy and authority is the deposits that you're making. That is so helpful. And I'm thankful that I have these notes in front of me being such a visual learner that I can follow along and, and to know like the, the basics, right? That you have an energy type and you have a signature, you have a not self an authority and a strategy. And um, this is all based, how do you even find out what your energy type is? Is it based off of your birthday? Is it based off of where? How, how do you figure that out? So it's an empirical system and very similar to astrology. It's based off of your date and time of birth and the location where you were born. Um, so what was happening in the sky the moment you were born creates your astrology chart. It also creates your human design. Perfect. And I've heard too that, you know, if some people out there don't know the time that they're born, um, I've heard, do you have a strategy with human design to approach that? I've heard some people say, maybe you take noontime that day, maybe you take sunrise that day. What would, what would people do if they don't know their, their birth time? So if you don't know your birth time at all, I recommend pulling four or five times and see what changes. Because for example, the moon changes gate about every 22 hours. Mm -hmm. So um, I think that's the most quickly changing aspect mm -hmm. in both astrology and human design. Um, and you can just get a sense of, you know, are those changes throughout the day, what feels more like home energy? Um, like one of my mentors, I just found this out yesterday, it kind of blew my mind, but she doesn't know, there's like one minute difference for her. And with the change of one minute, her arrows change. And so arrows are a pretty like advanced aspect of human design. Um, I don't think, you know, anybody who's just starting with human design, like doesn't necessarily need to know their arrows, mm -hmm. but for her, what it's forced her to do is really hold it lightly and just know, like, there's this aspect that she doesn't quite have nailed down. Um, mm -hmm. it's also a really good reminder that we have the whole body graph in us 
just like we have the whole astrological zodiac in us, um, it's just the energy that we have consistently is determined by that moment you were born. So um, yeah, I think, you know, we're on this journey of self-discovery. If you don't know the exact time, I definitely recommend pulling various times throughout the day. You know, there are some mediums, like if you dive into a wormhole, there are some people who say that they can tell you what time you were born. Um, there's a couple of different ways you could go with it. But my recommendation is always just pull several times. And even if you know like a range, like you know you were born in the morning, you're not sure if it was 9 a.m. or 10 a.m. Like pull a few times within the window that you know and just see see what changes and then just kind of roll with it because there's so much that you can get from just knowing your energy type. And that often doesn't change dramatically in a day. Um, like one client, hers is like a two hour window and she goes from either being a generator to a manifesting generator. And so we just had this conversation about, okay, let's just talk about your sacral. Like there's, there's just things that are going to be consistent and you can start with those things. Mm -hmm. And then you'll kind of be surprised. Like you'll find out more information from a parent or from an adult or, you know, um, you'll find a way to get a hold of your birth certificate or, you know, yeah. something will show up so that you can get more clarity. Beautiful. Uh, and sometimes that is the journey in itself to just discover your birth time. Um, <clears throat> so I'm sure that uh, if you, when you guys follow Andrea, you can, you can learn, you know, what your basic um, energy type is. So can we go into the different energy types? Cause I find this part really fascinating. And once I understood the different energy types, I was like, holy moly, I had my chart done and my daughter's chart done. And, and it really shows the dynamic of, of who we are as individuals. But for all of you listening out there, there are different energy types. And that is kind of, I don't know, is it kind of like an umbrella? Like that's your umbrella, that, that's your, that's what your energy is. Um, and there's different, I think there's five, is it five or four? So there's five energy types. Um, and the energy types are actually based off of your centers. <clears throat> so when Ra first channeled the system, energy type actually came later. Um, and it came channeled after he started to see certain patterns with different types. So I'm just going to tell you what the five types are. Um, the first type is a manifester. The second type is a generator. Then you have manifesting generator, which is a hybrid between those two. And you have projector and reflector. Um, so the basics of how your energy moves is determined by the centers that you have consistent access to. When you are studying about your energy type or learning about your energy type, you're actually learning about the dynamic of your centers. Um, my mentor is Jess Fields. You can find her easily on Instagram. Um, I study from a few teachers, but I've been, um, I've done, I'm in her advanced human design mastermind right now. Um, and I did her nine centers, um, mentorship last year. 
And what the nine centers shares with you is um, how type is created. So that's why type came later, because what came first was the centers and what they were doing in those patterns. And then there was a consistent expression that was witnessed, whether you're a manifester or a generator or manifesting generator. Um, and so when you're learning what your type is, it's really, it's just good to keep that in mind um, because like, for example, I have a client who's a generator, but she feels more like a manifesting generator. Like she has a lot of energy. Um, she has centers that, you know, her, her makeup is very active and the throat center is that manifesting center. She has a divine throat. So sometimes when you get stuck in just learning about your energy type, you're actually kind of missing the uniqueness of your unique energy. So just kind of hold all of that lightly. It's helpful to know how your energy works. And uh, there are some specific dynamics around your energy that might be, you know, similar to another type. So like, let's say for you, you are a manifesting generator, but you might have a projected channel, which is basically a wisdom channel. And what that means is even though your strategy is to wait to respond for specific wisdom, you might really need to wait for the invitation. So I just share that so that your listeners have a little bit more of a broader um, understanding of where energy type comes from. Um, so we talked about the five types. Um, manifestors are the fire starters. They are the initiators. Um, they estimate they're somewhere between seven to 9% of the population are manifestors. Um, and I think it's like around seven. Um, in olden times, like pre 1700s, um, often manifestors were the kings, queens, ruling class because the way their energy works is they have an open sacral and they are taking in information, sacral information from everyone that's around them. And then they're getting these downloads, these surges of inspiration, whether it be from their solar plexus or their heart um, or the root that is somehow connected to their throat. And that brings whatever that inspiration is into form. So um, they have a little bit denser aura. Um, they're, they can sometimes feel like unapproachable or cold because of that density. Um, but the reason why their aura functions that way is because they're not meant to be influenced by others when they have those urges. So what I love about human design is there's a purpose behind everything. Even the aspects that you might be like, damn, I wish I didn't have that aspect. There's actually a purpose behind it. There's a wisdom and a shadow to every single aspect in human design and in humanity, as far as I'm concerned. Um, so that's a little bit about manifestors. Generators and manifesting generators have the defined sacral. 
Um, and so their aura is very warm and enveloping. It's kind of like spherical and, and pretty easily um, it easily interacts with other auras. Like it's, it's very transferable. Um, and the reason for that is their sacral acts like it's got this magnetic energy, this life force energy that literally moves the planet. So 70% of the planet is either a generator or a manifesting generator. And this life force energy is what is keeping this whole thing going. Um, and so for generators, um, it's super important to stoke that life force energy, to do things that you enjoy, um, to follow your strategy, which is to wait to respond. Um, and what that does is it ensures when you use your strategy and authority, it ensures that whatever you're responding to is an energetic match for you, which can be a generative experience. Even though you're going to put energy towards it, you're going to get energy back. And that surplus is actually what is moving the planet. Um, for manifesting generators specifically, you have a motor to throat connection in addition to a defined sacral. So um, the way this shows up and just like manifestors, for manifesting generators, there's this spectrum of experiences because there are several different ways that your motor could be connected to your throat. Um, it could be a direct connection or an indirect connection. Um, so like, for example, your sacral might be connected to your identity center, which is then connected to your throat. Um, so that gives like this range of experiences, but in general, manifesting generators are meant to find new ways of doing things. They move way faster than anyone else. The only one that can keep up with them is a manifester, um, but the manifester doesn't have the sacral battery behind it. So um, yeah, you're just, you're meant to be multi-passionate um, and you're meant to be able to change your mind. So what happens is you have this sacral, defined sacral, so when you're getting that creative surge, the sacral can tap into it and know, oh, this is right for me or no, it's not. And so that's something that is really important for manifesting generators to start to play around with of this idea of holding things loosely, giving themselves permission to change their mind, move things around, um, and also, you know, follow those many passions that you have and know that that's just how you're designed. Um, the next type is projector. Um, so I'm a projector and projectors have an undefined sacral um, and they do not have a motor connecting them to their throat. Um, and so we are designed to guide and give insight. We're taking in all of that sacral energy, very similar to a manifestor, but the way that 
information gets used is very different. Um, our auras are um, very penetrating is the word that human design uses. And it's kind of like a conic structure that connects identity center to identity center, um, which can feel very invasive, even if we're not doing anything. Like I could walk into a room and not say a thing and someone could be like, who the hell is that? You know, um, it's just, it's how our energy works. And so that's why the strategy of waiting for the invitation is so important because the invitation shows that the other person um, is ready for the wisdom that you have. Um, otherwise, if they're not ready, then you're wasting life force energy that you don't have and you're gonna feel you're not selfie. Um, so for anyone listening who's like totally lost in the details, I do have a little mini course on this um, called Better Human. And it takes you through like a long explanation of each type, your signature, your not self, and then strategy, and then also each authority. So um, for anyone listening to this that wants to just kind of get the basics, the fundamentals down, feel free to go to that. And um, I think you'll find it really supportive and just kind of give you the lay of the land. Um, Okay, so that's projectors. And then um, the last type is reflectors. And reflectors have no centers defined. Um, and they are 1% of the population. Um, and that is a really challenging dynamic. Um, they have what's called lunar authority. Um, so they have to wait an entire lunar cycle to make big decisions. Um, and it's, uh, if you know any reflectors or anyone listening knows any reflectors, they have like the highest wisdom of anyone who walks the planet. Like Teal Swan is a re reflector. Like there's some like pretty big known teachers and you just know like wisdom just emanates from them. Um, and their aura is really interesting because um, it, can be, it's not quite as dense as a manifestor's, but it's denser than the rest of us. Um, but it'll take in a tiny bit of the energy around it and kind of sample it and then decide whether or not it's a match before allowing a reflector to open up. So again, they can, they can seem a little standoffish or um, mysterious, but um, that's just naturally how their energy works. So um, those are the different types. Um, and I think, you know, the magic of knowing your type, I, I can't, this ha has happened so many times where, um, I have a certain experience of someone and then wait out, like some of these people I've known for a very long time. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm doing some work with a, with a corporation right now, um, and I'm, doing human design for the leadership team. And I've known them for the last five years. So um, it's just amazing to see the dynamic represented um, in their charts. Mm -hmm. But it's just, uh, 
it's good to know that you're living your design, whether or not you know it, Mm -hmm. you are just because that's what it means to be human right now. Um, And this is such an amazing modality to support the deconditioning and the liberation that's required to answer the call that we're being given as a civilization to up-level how we show up for the planet, how we show up for each other, how Mm. we create generative business, all of it. All of it. And I, I think it's the more that I'm exposed to it. And, you know, I'm so lucky to have you in my life to give me clarity around it too. It's, you know, just witnessing myself and not really knowing my design and then learning about my design and then looking and witnessing myself. It's like, oh my gosh, no wonder, like I'm always creating passion projects all over the planet. And, and it does, it doesn't even take much effort to do that. Right. I'm always like, I could do more. I can do more. Um, and I love the percentages that you were saying, because I think that gives me a good context as to like, reflectors are only 1% of the population and manifesting generators, you know, are like 70% of the population, which I feel there, it's like the battery, you know, it's like that one, go ahead. Manifesting generators and generators are 70%. So um, 70% of the population has a defined sacral Mm -hmm. um, and it's split about 50, 50. So about 35% are generators and 35% manifesting generators. But that like energizer bunny feeling is about 70% of the population. Gosh. Yeah. And, and then the percentages for, um, for projectors is, you know, probably 25% or 30, another 35%. It's 22. It's about 22, 20 to 22% projectors. Okay. So, so if you add um, manifestors, projectors, and reflectors, you get about 30%. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the generators and manifesting generators at about 70%. Got it. Okay. And it's good for us to like understand the collective of who we're around. And especially during these times as we're all going through such incredible ascension, karmic, initiating moments right now of why we're being pulled into certain communities or why we're being pulled to certain ways of learning and and really allowing that to happen for many people in whatever way that is. Like there's just like some people are going to be completely drawn to human design and like gobble it all up right and then some people are going to be like i just want to go meditate in the in the fields and be like out there and and it's all correct you know but i do believe that this language when you start to incorporate it really gives you a deeper understanding of yourself not just your chakras and your system and how to understand your pranic flow like i i really think that this is a language that's going to be Um, that is meant to be, that brings it all together. I don't know how else to explain it, but when you do get to that pinnacle point in your life where you can digest this all and it's starting to like really land for you, uh, it's going to be, it's just so much more, there's like for me, as I can say, as a manifesting generator 
it's a big relief. It's like, it's very interesting because like once I look at my chart and I see how it's like, oh, no wonder, right? And then I can kind of just be like, well, that's just because that's how my energy is. Like, don't worry so much if you're, if you are letting that project go and starting another one, like that's just how your energy runs. And so there's a lot of, like my ego gets to surrender into that a lot more and just allow myself to constantly create because that's what it wants to do. Um, so that's fascinating. So we have all of those energy types. I hope you guys are sticking with us because I know we're covering a lot of content. And then the signature and not self. Do we want to go into the, to the rest of these four here? I just wanted to say before we move on from that is the single biggest gift that human design has given me is allowing myself to put down so much second guessing and doubt. And um, so I have gate 63, which is in the crown um, and it's literally the gate of doubt. <laughs> so uh, I have a defined crown, a defined Ajna, a defined throat, a defined identity center, and a defined spleen. So I'm what they call a classic projector. I don't have anything defined below the identity center um, and the spleen. So um, undefined heart, which is you know a lot of insecurity, and then I have a two in my profile. My profile is a six two, um, and the two. One of the archetypes of the two is this um kind of like creative genius that cannot see their own genius like they it has to be reflected back to them so what i love about looking at a chart is you can you can get fixated on any one aspect but the real beauty of the chart is how those aspects play together so in my case that gate of doubt my undefined heart um, it and the two kind of come together to really throw me through these, like, I call them like refining processes <laughs> where, um, I'm like questioning, double questioning, triple questioning. Um, and the purpose, especially the purpose of gate 63, um, when it comes to doubts is specifically to refine, to literally pull away anything that may not be truth. So um, it's given me so much more perspective and I can kind of keep it in check. So when I start to feel insecure about something, I now have a way to land that energy of, okay, am I feeling insecure because I just shared something that was incredibly vulnerable um, or am I feeling insecure because I'm not 100% certain, like, am I activating that gate 63? Where is that coming from? Um, so I just wanted to get into like a little bit of specifics around how it's helped me feel more confident in my shares. So I can get on this podcast with you, or I can, you know, I did a clubhouse this morning where we're talking about transits and um, I don't have that psychic load of questioning afterwards. I feel really good and really aligned with what I'm sharing. Um, and that's just like, wow, the biggest game changer, like feeling 
releasing self-doubt and feeling confident, not in a egoic way, but just in an aligned energetic way is a life changer. I, I totally agree. I think that when you understand it and, and you're embodying it, it's, it does go into that flow state that you were talking about of, you know, your most authentic, like flow and trusting in that it it's, it's, it's extremely liberating. It's extremely liberating. So, so I would love to talk a little bit about, um, I think, I think signature and not self. Mm -hmm. um, for the five types, because that's your internal compass to know whether or not you're living your design. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, I have the better human course that people can take and get, you know, a little PDF to guide them through some exercises and really get an embodied experience because, um, one of the things that I've learned through this process and that, you know, I blame my defined crown and define Ajna, um, is that we're, we're actually not meant to live in our heads. So we can take in like all this information, mm -hmm. um, but all of the authorities live in the body. All yeah. five of them. Yeah. There's not a single authority in the crown or Ajna. So, <laughs> so I just like to remind people of that because um, we can want to logic our way into, oh, this is why something happened or this is why it didn't happen. And the truth is always going to be in the body. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel like that's, some, that's a topic that you and I like to talk about a lot is this embodiment practice and, and well, I don't want to even like put labeling on spiritual bypassing, but the like this is my signature this is my you know there's there's i should oh i don't need to be doing breath work practice or you know it's like actually you need to be doing that so how do we go into learning about our signature so um each type has a signature and that signature is the feeling that you have when you are living your design. So I'll go through each of the five signatures. Okay. Um, there's actually only four signatures okay. um, and that's because generators and manifesting generators have the same. Oh. Um, so we can go through that. And then um, I would love to, we can even start with um, the generator signature because I would love to hear your experience of that. And mm -hmm. I can share my experience of being a projector. And then sure. I can share a little snippet of manifestors and reflectors. Um, so the signature for a generator or a manifesting generator is satisfaction. And um, satisfaction or contentment, it's sometimes called contentment, mm -hmm. um, is that feeling of all is right in the world in this moment and mm -hmm. almost like every single detail feels more pronounced um maybe like you're noticing the lighting or the colors it's it's essentially a reflection of life force appropriately expressed 
Mm. So if you can imagine how a tree feels when it's growing and stretching its branches into the wind, like mm -hmm. that is satisfaction. Mm -hmm. um, and so the not self for a generator or manifesting generator is frustration. And mm -hmm. likewise, if you can imagine how a tree feels when it's trying to grow and it runs into cement, like mm -hmm. it's, it's feeling that tension, that mm -hmm. um, block, right? Um, so for generators and manifesting generators, that is your green light, red light. So when you're feeling satisfaction, you know, you're following your strategy and authority. When you are feeling frustrated, you know, that something is amiss. It could mm -hmm. be your strategy. It could be your authority. It could be both. Mm -hmm. Um, and again, the strategy for generators and manifesting generators is waiting to respond. Um, and I go deep into that in the mini course. So I highly recommend um, if that, you know, feels my like a boring concept. My first reaction as a manifesting generator is like, wait, what? I have to wait? What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and I have to tell you that that yeah. is that is the most common reaction of all of the teaching I've done mm -hmm. um, is generators and manifesting generators being like, but what, what, why? <laughs> um, and the primary reason is that sacral energy, right? I like to refer to it as sacred energy. The mm -hmm. sacral energy is sacred. Why? Because again, it moves the planet. And so if it's not being used wisely and wisely doesn't mean like well or good or bad it means if it's not being used in a manner that is most effectively gonna respond to that energy then it depletes the source it depletes you it depletes the planet so the reason why you come up against that frustration is it's it's trying to tell you like this isn't sustainable um, and then the nuance for manifesting generators is when you wait to respond and you respond to what comes into your aura and then you get into whatever it is, like you've, you've already listened to your authority and you know, it's correct. And then you feel that response of like, no, this isn't correct anymore. Then you change your mind, you change your course, and you use the manifestor's strategy of informing, which is, you know, this isn't going to work for me, or I thought I could do this, but I can't. Mm -hmm. um, so you have like that added nuance for you specifically. So I mentioned there's this spectrum for manifestors and manifesting generators. Mm -hmm. You specifically have the sacral throat connection. So that's like the classic manifesting generator channel mm -hmm. um like when you have a creative urge yeah literally nothing can stop you yeah if it's in alignment with your authority nothing can stop you so as long as you are giving yourself space to ride your emotional wave because you're an emotional authority um that direct connection is that like experience of I can do anything and the truth is you can. So mm -hmm. like you get to just own that because it's true. It's true. Yeah. Yay.
Yay. And you're going to feel satisfaction when you do it, you know? Yes. But I do love that pause, as you were saying, and, and knowing that you are the well, and that tree is a great example of that, because that frustration is sometimes taking that pause and, and knowing you are that pranic life force and not exhausting yourself too. And that takes practice, I feel. Um, yeah. And when you're following your authority, you won't exhaust yourself because yeah what's coming into your aura is something that is an energetic match. So it's generative. Mm -hmm. It's going to give you energy as you use your energy. Mm -hmm. um, and that overflow that you feel is actually the life force that projectors and manifestors need to be able to do what we're doing. So yes. it's, um, you know, it's a, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> no. <laughs> so I'll go to um, projectors next. Um, so projectors, our signature is success. And our not self um, is bitterness. Okay. So that was really triggering for me, <laughs> just to be completely <laughs> honest. Because first of all, I... I dove back into human design in a moment where I felt particularly bitter mm -hmm. and not successful. Um, and, you know, everything on paper looked great, um, but it gets back to the energetic expression. So when human design talks about success for projectors, it's talking about the impact of the wisdom that we have to give. Mm -hmm. So success means that you're helping primarily generators and manifesting generators, although, you know, some manifestors in there and maybe a reflector, but um, you're helping those with that life force energy use it in a way that supports them and the planet and the collective. Yeah. Um, so that's really what success means. Okay. Now, it shows up in different ways and your particular expression of how you need success as a projector could be different. So like for me, the channel, so it's really determined by the gates in your heart, in your heart center. I particularly have a gate that is about visibility. And so as I receive more invitations to share human design, to share some of my experience, that is one of the ways that I feel success. That's mm -hmm. one of the ways that I know my wisdom is landing and it's helping people. Mm -hmm. um, and that bitterness is again, um, that red light, the internal red light that says you're either not waiting for the invitation. So our strategy is to wait for the invitation. Um, or I'm not checking in with my authority to make sure that the invitations that are right are a match for me energetically. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been really, it's been really liberating to dive into this because the results have been nearly instantaneous, which I didn't go in expecting or really even with an awareness. Um, but as I started seeing how traditional business advice, so I mentioned I have 20 years in corporate, five years as a business 
consultant and coach, um, so much of my bitterness in that moment when I learned about the signature um, was driven by me trying to initiate things. That's a good one. Ooh. Ouch. Ouch. Man, that yeah. truth is like powerful because as you said, like when you did sit and wait for the invitation, that's like this call right now. Like I just hopped on one day and saw you on Facebook, I think. And then mm -hmm. I'm like, oh my gosh, I should have her on the podcast. And I want to incorporate human design in everything I do. And so it just automatically was a yes for me. And I just felt it like I need to call her up, need to message her. And then the invitation came for you. And that was you like honoring your authority. So it's, it's really, um, you know, again, it's a way to hack your flow state and it's counterintuitive. It's counter to what we've been conditioned to believe by predatory colonialism, mm -hmm. capitalism, mm -hmm. white supremacy, mm -hmm. all of the things that are patriarchy, patriarchy, you know, mm -hmm. these forces, environmental forces that came about as a means to survive, really, mm -hmm. if you look at when it came about, like the 14, 1500s famines in Europe, like, again, going back to learning the history, which yeah, if you want somebody to study with Milagros Phillips for racism and white supremacy and colonialism, holy smokes, will blow your mind. Um, yeah. She's freaking amazing. So, um, human design gives us tools to really pick that apart, right? And, and see, like for me, my strategy is to wait for the invitation. A manifestor's strategy is to inform. So we're gonna transition a little bit to manifestors because some of the conditioning that we have comes from manifestors because mm -hmm. traditionally they were the rulers. Now, mm -hmm up until projectors started joining the party, which wasn't until the late 1700s, manifestors were the ones who really were dictating what was happening because they have that direct motor to throat connection. And um, their, so their strategy is to inform, which basically means they have the open sacral, they're taking in all of the sacral energy and distilling wisdom because that's the role of any open center is to distill wisdom. And then they get a surge or an urge from that motor to throat connection. Mm -hmm. And they're meant to generate from that. They're mm -hmm. meant not generate, but they're meant to manifest from that. They're meant to bring something into form. Um, and it's usually by way of an idea or a concept, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, that idea or concept gets passed to someone with the life force energy to actually implement it. Yeah. That's like, if you look at how we're designed to work in the collective, yeah. the manifestor initiates generators and manifesting generators bring that concept into life. They respond to whatever was initiated mm -hmm. and then projectors bring in wisdom to help distill whatever that creation is 
And then reflectors are able to reflect it back to us as a collective and say, okay, is this really where we want to go? This is mm -hmm. what's happening with this. Mm -hmm. um, and then that brings you back to the initiation. So right. um, the signature for a manifestor is peace. And that is that deep peace beyond understanding. Mm -hmm. um, and their not self is anger. So usually what happens for manifestors, this is kind of the pattern that I see, is um, their sacral has been conditioned to be an overdrive mm -hmm. and they are trying to operate like a generator because they mm -hmm. have all these creative ideas, they have all these downloads mm -hmm. and then they are conditioned to believe that it's up to them to get it done, right? That's the individualism that right. comes from colonialism and patriarchy. Right. So um, manifestors who are feeling that anger, it's really the kind of like flashing red light from your body that, hey, this is not sustainable. Like this is not how your energy is meant to be used. Yeah. Um, and they are meant to have a lot more rest than we're conditioned to believe that we should need. Mm -hmm. Same for projectors. Um, and yeah, it's a, it's a very interesting dynamic. Um, I think because they are such a small percentage, um, there are a lot of dynamics around that lived experience that haven't been deeply explored, but Ra mm -hmm. was a manifester. Um, mm -hmm. So a lot of his teachings are informed by what he learned about his own energy. Um, and then there are some great manifestor teachers who are emerging that I'm excited about what they have to offer um, the collective with just mm -hmm. um, supporting that energy type better. Mm -hmm. um, and then the last energy type is a reflector. Um, reflectors, again, have that um, dynamic where they don't have any centers defined. Um, and so their, their signature is surprise. <laughs> um, and it's surprise, like in like delight, right? Like mm -hmm. in kind of just this purest essence of joy, like you know, that moment you walk into a room at a surprise party and you say surprise and you're like, <gasps> like just like your breath is taken away. Um, and uh, their not self is disillusionment or disenchantment. Mm -hmm. um, and so you can see how, you know, if you are so open that you're taking in all the energy from all the people that are around you and you haven't figured out how to um, navigate what is true for you, um, that can lead you to, you know, feelings of desperation. Um, I love like following Teal Swan with that lens of knowing she's a reflector because so much of her teachings, like they get to the next level for me now, just knowing her experience. But, um, any reflectors that are listening, I just, highly recommend experimenting with lunar authority, which lunar authority stems from, um, and that is actually a reflector strategy. 
Um, it stems from the concept we were talking about earlier with the moon and how the moon changes signs every 22 hours mm -hmm. or not sign, yeah, not signs, gates. Um, mm -hmm. Because just like the moon moves through the zodiac every mm -hmm. month, it moves through every gate in the chart every month. And so that means that reflectors are getting access to every gate in the chart. We're all getting access to every gate in the chart yeah. throughout the month. But for someone who doesn't have defined centers, mm -hmm. it will define some centers for them and help move some energy through so that clarity can come. Mm, amazing. What a wonderful map for people to follow, especially if they are a reflector. Because I can imagine you're just so open. Yeah. You're so open or you're like, so conditioned. Like a, yeah, I feel like I, when I think of it, it's like a like one of those hanging like crystals that just kind of like reflects everywhere it goes. Like it's just like a spinning crystal ball. Like everything's just like bing, 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 everywhere. And like you said, if it's, if it's an, if it's not in it's not self, it's what? It's conditioned. It's uh, disillusioned. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so any of our open centers are the most susceptible to conditioning. And, you know, we've talked about the waters that we live in, in our society. Mm -hmm. um, it's extremely toxic for anyone with a lot of open centers. I mean, just in general. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we can be conditioned in our defined centers too, um, just given the pervasiveness of what we are here to dismantle. So um, it's just a really helpful tool set to have when you're looking at where life isn't flowing mm -hmm. and how you can get back into flow, um, mm -hmm. strategy and authority and signature. We didn't get into authority, but mm -hmm. I got a whole hour on it in my mini course and <laughs> I highly recommend like just, you know, oh, yeah. listen to we'll the whole hour. Yeah, because um, it there are some really important dynamics with the way authority works that can help you get into a deeper relationship with how you um, specifically are designed to make decisions. Mm. Yeah, I feel like the um, when when you're and if you're listening to this and if you're still here, that's awesome, um, because I'm sure you're going to feel inclined to to dive in a little bit more into human design and learn about your energy type and your signature and your not self and your authority and your strategy, because it is it is a language, you know, and and it does take some time to kind of to really sit with self and go through understanding all of these things of just the basics of human design and as um, Andrea was mentioning, it was channeled through this man called Ra. Um, is he around still or? No, he passed away, I believe in 2015 or 2016. Okay. So right now the ability to learn from um, human, to learn human design is, is, can we just, can we just, approach this for one second is like, if you were completely new and you didn't know where to start. And I know there's many different groups out there of, of learning about human design and there's many different books. And this is where I get even overwhelmed is like, where would you suggest people start? You know, even when they do your mini course and learn about their stuff is like, 
my first thing, old conditioning, what's the first book I get, right? Or <laughs> like, who, like, who's the teacher? How do I go about this? Uh, what would you suggest for people? Because I know there's like, I think I mentioned to you in my Kundalini teacher training, there was somebody who had the gene keys and, um, and we were supposed to, and that book was just so overwhelming that I couldn't even go into it. Um, but how would you, uh, advise people to, to, to learn about this material? My advice. Why is, there, why is there so many different, like, yeah, many different ways, like so many different human design experts or, you know, there seems to be a little bit of a hierarchy happening in the human design world. Like I do hear people saying, well, I studied with so-and-so and I study with so-and-so and for me, as I like, I don't understand any of that hierarchy. I can feel that the same even in the Kundalini community. Um, mm -hmm. It's the same. And so, uh, why is there a difference in learning about human design? My personal interpretation, <laughs> as somebody yeah. who is always, who, always, <laughs> as somebody who has um, been trying to navigate this realm for almost four years now. Um, Ra was a manifester and he was not dogmatic. He really received this information and it was very clear to him that it's an experiential modality, which means it's, it depends on your lived experience. And um, ultimately we're all human. So um, there is just this dynamic that happens with us as human beings um, that goes back to, you know, our survival and our reliance on the Ajna to survive, um, where we just have a tendency to get dogmatic about things. So um, it's just, you know, it's a little bit how we're programmed. It's also, I believe, what we are in the process of breaking. Um, is, you know, breaking the dogma down and coming back to truth. So um, the only book that I have felt stayed true to the message of Ra is the definitive book of human design. Mm -hmm. um, and that book is heady. It is very much like a textbook. Um, I actually don't recommend it for... Um, someone who isn't like ready to kind of like study, study, um, because number one, it's textbook. The language is very dense. Um, and number two, it, the way it introduces topics, um, is really from a perspective of someone already having a basic awareness of human design. Um, I personally like to listen to many teachers. Um, so I, I love what Karen Curry has to say. She has her own perspective on things. She has her own school of thought. Essentially what happened is because Ra was not dogmatic, he's a manifester. He's not, he doesn't have a defined sacral. So he's, he's really meant, I mean, he really embodied his energy type. He was meant to bring these downloads, these, you know, ideas into our 
communal. And then he knew that he was not the one meant to implement them. So what happened is the people who studied, and interestingly enough, the ones that I'm aware of are mostly generators and manifesting generators, have then kind of created these schools. Um, but just like anything, we're it all comes through our own filter. So my recommendation as you're, um, as you're navigating this uh, is to use your strategy and authority. Um, if you, if something comes into your awareness and that feels like it resonates, then follow that person or, you know, listen to what that person has to say. Um, try to apply some of what that person's teaching um, and, and just always kind of hold it lightly until it really matches your resonance and you know that you can kind of take it in, if that makes sense. So, you know, I follow several teachers um, on Instagram and podcasts and, you know, there's all kinds of ways that you can learn. Um, and I had this experience recently um, where I just realized that this one particular teacher I was watching wasn't making me feel good when I watched what was being said. And I was like, hmm. I just kind of got curious about it. And my intuition just kicked in. I'm a splenic authority. And it just was kind of like, you need to take a break from listening to what they're saying. Um, and I think it's because number one, this particular person is very young. Um, and their lived experience doesn't match mine. Like I'm in my forties, I'm in the sec, I'm deep into the second phase of my six profile. Um, I'm a six, I'm meant to be looking at things from this, you know, um, high perspective and, um, the, you know, the vibration she was at just, you know, wasn't matching that. Not that what she was saying wasn't true. It just didn't have the depth that I'm looking for. Um, so I think that's the source of the divisions. And, um, I, I really truly think we're just doing what humans do. Um, and so it's up to us to kind of bridge that for ourselves, find someone who is in alignment, um, and, you know, really use your authority to determine whether or not that person is in alignment and um, trust that if they're not, someone else will be presented. So like, for example, when I first started studying, I mentioned, um, I first started looking into it, this particular person that I looked into, um, you know, just, I could not pick it up. Um, and when I was starting my nine centers mentorship, Jess recommended this person's book. And I was like, oh, like, I've already kind of gone down that route. And she was like, okay, I hear you. I hear you. And my, you know, I started making some intuitive connections because he published his book before Ra's book came out. Like there's just some, and there's some cognitive dissonance about what was happening there that just didn't feel good to me. Um, and so I really just hold the, the writings of that teacher very loosely. And I still look at what they have to say, but I just know that their channel is not as clear as I want mine to be, as I want, I'm, I'm distilling this wisdom and I'm trying to, you know, help the collective know 
which aspects of it can be transformative and where, you know, we as humans have created some, you know, disturbance in, in the force, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yes, I love what you're saying, though, about the inner authority, even in your own sphere of what you're learning, or maybe you're in a, in a community and you're learning something new, whether it's flower essences, or you're in a doctorate program of mythology, or you're in a yoga katha stronger program, or, you know, you're dabbling in medicinals of like psilocybin or whatever. I think that this kind of language, um, of understanding that is is gonna um, really really help you to to navigate those those different levels of learning in the spiritual sense. Um, so, you know, yeah, I, I think appreciate you asking that question because um, I do think for someone who is getting introduced to it and there's you know it's getting mentioned here and there and you know it can be very um, it can be very confusing. And like for you with your open crown, like you feel that acutely. And so I love the fact that like part of your path is to distill this wisdom and like you're open to so many possibilities mm -hmm. and um, you actually have a completely open crown, which means you have the potential for the highest form of wisdom around all of these traditions and inspiration and, you know, questions that are out there. So I just, I can feel that. You can feel, feel that it. in your question. And I can feel you like also coming to a closure. <laughs> like you've given so much to us. This has been so inspiring and we could go on, but we, you know, when we did have a couple of other things that we wanted to cover today, but I really want to honor Andrea's energy. Um, and we'll, we'll probably in part two cover the difference of human design and astrology and why we believe this is the language of the Aquarian age and how to incorporate that into different modalities as a therapist or a healer, um, however that might be for you. Uh, so I really want to, you know, I want to thank Thank you for this this introduction because I think it's it's a great start to many things that are going to come. But if you are curious about human design, you can follow Andrea on her Instagram, which is Andrea Wardberg, A N D R E A W A R D Berg B E R G, is her Instagram as well as her um, website is andreawardberg.com. And those are the two ways. And she also is on Clubhouse, um, which I just got on too. So I'm super excited. Maybe we'll do yes, something. Yes, loving it. Uh, you can find her there. And then you can find that free mini um, mini course on her on her website. And she's, you know, at go on to her newsletter, go on to her, DM her, find a way to connect with her. Um, she's available and she's going to be also doing an offering possibly soon on, you know, being able to help you read your chart. Um, uh, just a really quick, a quick, a quick, like an appetizer, you know, how do you read your chart um, really easily? And so that's going to, that's going to be coming down the pike. So if you're, 
this is just a fascinating topic that we could go into. It just, just know it is forever learning. That's kind of how I feel like with Kundalini, like it is a subject matter that you can dive into, you know, really for like the rest of your life. And so yeah. you don't need to get it all in right now. Maybe just start with, you know, what your energy type is and learn about that and, and what your signature and not self is. I think that was the most helpful for me is to know like how my energy is running and when to take that pause, you know, cause I need it a lot of the times too. So um, is there anything else that you'd like to add in here, sister, before we tune off? I'm just really appreciative of the space you've created and I love the intersection. I mean, I've been practicing Kundalini oof, for about 10 years now, maybe 12 years. So just bringing that lens and how you are always looking for ways to support us in being better humans. And so it feels just divinely aligned. So I thank you. It. And I love the light behind you. I know you guys can't see it because you're listening to the podcast, but you know, she's got this gorgeous orb that's all around her right now <laughs> on the screen. And, you know, it just reminds you of that time when we were together in San Francisco and like just spending time with each other. I'm so thankful of that time now. Like, wow, looking back at life and where we are today, like how significant. So it's, it's so beautiful to share this space with you and wishing you all the best in your endeavors, whatever they may be. And thank you to everyone out there who are listening. I can't wait for part two. Part two. Stay tuned for part two. And um, thank you for being a part of the Golden Thread podcast community. We really appreciate your presence. Yay, thank you for having me. Thank you. Stay tuned, guys, for, for more wonderful episodes. And until I see you next time on the Energetic Airwaves, aloha.